Greetings, Hosanna in the highest. In the Christian world, we celebrate this day as Palm Sunday, or as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. He did not ride on a stallion, as military leaders did. He rode on a donkey in fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. It reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, a foal of an ass. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was in cadence with the preparations for the celebration of the Passover. While there were other things to be included in the celebration, the key item was the Passover lamb. In Exodus 12, 3-12, are God's instructions through Moses, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, that's April 4, this time Saturday, at 6 p.m., they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it, according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make their count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. That's April 8th, our time, Wednesday, 6 p.m. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So, counting on this on Saturday, today, at 6 p.m., a lamb had to be chosen. Number one, one lamb without blemish was taken from the fields and brought to the house per household. And then four days, it was to remain in the household for them to care and be emotionally attached to the lamb that would be sacrificed for the sins of the household. See, this lamb was going to be sacrificed. And four days in the house, every member of the family was to feed the lamb, play with the lamb, and be attached emotionally. Thirdly, this commenced the more intensive cleaning of the house from any leaven, mostly food with leaven, that's bread. Work must be completed before the observance of the day of the Passover. Number four, in obedience to the eternal commandment that God gave to the children of Israel, was to remove leaven or yeast from their houses. Every nook and cranny must be emptied, sorted, and wiped in order to make sure that its dwelling place is free of chamits or leaven products before Passover began. I am now quoting verbatim from the Messianic Bible. Quote, A little yeast works to the whole bath of dough. Quote from Galatians 5.9. In the Bible, yeast symbolizes sin. It is also a powerful metaphor for learning about God and living in a life of holiness. Yeast is a single-cell fungus that causes dough to rise by consuming the sugars and excreting carbon dioxide as a byproduct. And it doesn't take much yeast to start the process. Yeast is in the air. It is a pervasive that even dough is left on the counter 
yeast will attach to the surface of the dough. It will then make its way through the whole loaf. So just like yeast or leaven, it eats away at the sugars in the dough. Sin eats away at us, and sin causes us to become separated from God. Today, the yeast of sin is universal. The lust of our flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, and the tempter, Satan himself, corrupts every human being. Only the Holy Spirit can apply the blood of Jesus Christ to provide our covering from sin or even the coronavirus. Now, just coordinating that word in Exodus and today, April 5, that Sunday, at daytime, Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and cleansed the temple. Matthew 21, 1-17. First, Jesus declared not in words, but in action, that he was the Passover lamb for the nation. Remember, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Just like the lamb was chosen from the field and brought to the house on the That day, here, Jesus declared, He is now that Lamb. Secondly, for this reason, He did the final cleansing of the temple of the worldly temporal quest that was against God's will. In quoting from Luke 9, 45-48, verse 45, And He went into the temple, and began to cast out them that sold therein, and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him, and could not what they, they wanted to do, for all the people were very attentive to him. So you see, he had to do the cleansing of the temple. So from April 5, that Sunday, After the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and having cleansed the temple, Jesus taught daily until the early afternoon of April 7 or Tuesday before the disciples and Jesus assembled into the upper room to celebrate the Passover. Number four, as many Jews had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, Jesus taught them from the scriptures. Really intensive. And the fifth, Again, this was the Tuesday night that Jesus went to Gethsemane with eleven disciples to pray. <clears throat> He was arrested and brought for trial. And then the next day, Wednesday, that's now our April 8, he, was, he went to Calvary four days after Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem to be crucified on the actual day of Passover, just as the Passover lambs were slain. Now we talk about the blood of the Lamb. Once more, I'm quoting verbatim from the Messianic Bible. It starts off with a quote from Leviticus 1.5. He shall slay the young bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall offer up the blood and sprinkle the blood around on the altar that is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. It's the shedding of blood. Now the Kohen, or high priest, not only sprinkled the blood around the altar, he dipped his finger in it and sprinkled it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. Referring to Leviticus 4.17. Some suggest the Jewish scholars, especially Christian scholars, 
Likewise, the blood of Yeshua, or Jesus, who was the high priest of Gohen Magadol, of the new covenant, was also sprinkled before the Lord seven times. How was the blood of Jesus Christ sprinkled seven times? Number one, Jesus perspired drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed to the Father. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Taken from Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And secondly, he was struck in the face until it was marred beyond recognition. Fulfillment of Isaiah 52:14, which reads, As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. That's the second, from his face. Thirdly, his back was scorched with a whip. In Matthew 27:26, just a phrase, when he had scored Jesus. And number four, the soldiers put a crown of thorns on his head. John 19, verse 2. Number five, they plucked out his beard. And I caught from Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Number six, They pierced his hands and feet out in the cross. And number seven, they pierced his side with a spear. And blood and water came out. Psalm 22:14 and John 19, verse 34. Applications of these truths. Number one, as typified in the sacrifices and in the prophecies, Jesus fulfilled his role as the Lamb of God. Those who reject Jesus Christ today still observe the Passover. And in following the instructions of Moses, but of course they could not do it because they could not bring it to the temple and they could not sacrifice the lamb, but they had just their symbols. Number two, he had his blood shed for the remission of our sins. 1 John 1.7, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now the blood of the Lamb, the regular Lamb, just took care of the family. Now the blood of the bull that was shed down at the temple was for the whole nation and for that whole year because it was not done daily. Now, The case of Jesus, his blood could take care of the whole world. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now in the third point, this to me is the crowning glory of the triumphal entry of Jesus into my heart and mind and peace. As in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me, in my Father's house are many mansions. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And now we go to number four. 
We don't have to focus on the corruption of sin, but listen to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, whose ministry is to reprove or convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. John 16, verse 8. How does He do it? It is through the Word. Thy Word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against Thee. That's the process that God does. By the Word, the Holy Spirit convicts us and makes us to come to Jesus Christ. Once we prove in the number 5 in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah! We can do that. And so our final encouragement is found in Hebrews 12.2. Our encouragement is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Remember in John 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. And what was that? The serpents, vipers, were sent by God to sting the Israelites who were rebellious against God. And they were dying. And it came, Moses, help us. Pray to God. And Moses said, God, what shall I do? And God said, get a stick and raise the rod up and make like a serpent, lifting it up. And whosoever will look up to the serpent, although beaten, will not die. Looking unto Jesus is our hope for today. In this death and pandemic and the virus that's going around, let us not be reluctant. Let us not be having fear in our heart, but lift up Jesus. And I heard from an evangelist saying, when Christians just pray, the power of God is released. And there's revival that the power of God will come upon people. And they will also be drawn to Jesus Christ. And they may be beaten. They may have the virus, but they will not get sick. They will, if they get sick, they will not die. But even if they die, they will receive the faith in Jesus Christ and call on Jesus. And they will not go to doom, but to everlasting life. Either way, salvation is available when we draw people to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Brethren, let us be examples looking to Jesus. And let our conversation be full of hope. I remember somewhere in 1972 or 73, when President Marcos declared martial law in the Philippines. Only two, three registrations were allowed to go on the air. And the public broadcasting was only playing almost day after day, whispering hope, whispering hope. Oh, how welcome thy voice. Looking up to Jesus, He is our only hope. In Jesus' name, let's look up to Jesus and have that hope. Amen.